1: Hello everyone, and welcome to the November thirteenth, two thousand seventeen edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a podcast. I'm Anthony Amico, You can find me on Twitter at Amixta. And my co host is Blair Andrews. You can follow at Am I the Real Blair. Blair, how's it going?
3: Um it's going all right. Um pretty ugly day for football it started to look like in the early games, but got a little bit better. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been a pretty terrible year. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> just because like the scoring, like the overall scoring in football, has been way down this year. I'm not really sure why, but there's you know less points makes it obviously a lot less fun. Uh, but joining us today on the show to break down all the news is Tyler Bucher. He's a contributor to Pro Football Focus. You can find him on Twitter at Tyler
4: Bucher. Tyler, thanks for joining us tonight. How is everything? Hey guys, appreciate you having me on. Uh, week ten's looking pretty terrible so far, not gonna lie. 2017 is like the year of the upside down. <laughs> a lot of my Dynasty and Redraft teams, they've been looking great, but DFS this week was a mixed bag. Uh, we, some heavy exposure to Bilal Pal and Le'Veon Bell, held them from doing any like real damage in GPPs. Hopefully Gronk can salvage something. How are you guys doing?
3: Uh, not my week.
1: Just bad. <laughs> real bad. I mean, see, I'm kind of like the same boat as you. Like my season long team's doing pretty well, because I have like... The road of his portfolio, you know, like those guys are doing really well. And uh, even Kenny Britt did a little something for the best ball teams today. So season long is fine, but the, the DFS this week and last week were just really bad. So we'll see. Uh, but let's get right into the news. Uh, item number one, uh, kind of a injury that I think you could have missed today just because the game wasn't very high profile. But Aaron Jones suffered a sprained MCL against the Bears and Ty Montgomery also left the game, did not return after aggravating his rib injury uh, that he suffered a few weeks ago. Tyler, how much how much interest do you have in Jamal Williams right now as a result of these two injuries? And do you expect Montgomery to shoulder the load if he can go and Jones
4: cannot in Week 11? Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't really have a lot of interest in this Packers' backfield. Their defense has been pretty poor defending the pass and middling against the run. Their quarterback, Brett Hundley, has just one passing touchdown and four picks in three games played. I'm not sure this offense can operate that well with Hundley at the helm. We saw him play a little better this week, but I just don't really want to invest in what projects to be a split backfield that will have few touchdown opportunities moving forward.
3: Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, I think if, uh, if Jones does have to miss more time and Montgomery can play, then I probably am comfortable starting him. I mean, Hundley did look better. Today, so I have a little more hope I guess that the the offense can improve um yeah, I guess the other guy I'm actually kind of more interested to see even than Jamal Williams is Devonte Mays, who's been a healthy scratch the entire uh season with two guys out in front of out in front of him, maybe he would get into the game um you know he uh was injured most of his senior year at Utah State, but he you know started off his senior senior year strong so I'm kind of interested to see if he could do anything
1: that's definitely on the road of his brand You're looking <laughs> at a uh, Devonte Mays but yeah I don't know I mean I, I you kind of alluded to this Tyler like I feel as though when Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback of this offense we were really really excited for whoever would be the running back because we assumed there would be a lot of scoring opportunities and I, I you know I, I think Hundley looked really really good today he Made a couple throws, especially at the end of the game. That pass to Devontae Adams to seal it was exceptional. I mean, I, I think that Brett Humley is a good football player, but uh, you know the offensive expectation clearly isn't the same as it is with Rodgers. I think even in, if Humley's playing well, you expect him to run more, and I think that like his rushing touchdown expectation is uh, fairly significantly higher than Rodgers, and that obviously hurts the run the run game as well, just from a touchdown perspective. So. I don't love Jamal Williams. Like, I don't really think that he was, I didn't really think he was a good player to begin with, uh, or at least not a great player, uh, especially in the passing game. I feel like last year we saw a bunch of these guys in the backfield kind of get spelled and moved around. And we saw Randall Cobb in the backfield a little bit. I kind of think that if Ty Montgomery and Jones both are going to miss, I I feel like the move if you're green Bay is just to put Cobb in the backfield, but I don't know if they'll actually do that. I I just feel like Williams is kind of like a first and second down player and that, those kinds of guys never really interest me, especially in this kind of an offense.
4: Yeah, I tend to agree. I think coming into the year, we thought that prof- that profile for Jamal Williams was just that one-two, first, second down grinder. And Aaron Jones was the guy that we all were super excited about, waiting for any kind of pending injury to Ty Montgomery. Uh, it's unfortunate it played out this way. I thought Aaron Jones was in for a pretty decent year prior to all these injuries that occurred.
3: All right, moving on to the next item. Adam Thielen caught 8 of 12 targets for 166 yards and a touchdown in Sunday's Week 10 win over Washington. Uh, Thielen has at least 5 catches in every game and at least 90 yards 5 times. Is he the wide receiver 1 going forward? And what do you make of him in Dynasty?
4: So I think Thielen is the real deal. I was, I'll was, admit, I was blinded by my ambitiousness to get Stefan Diggs this offseason, and I didn't really appreciate what Thielen brought to the offense as a strong, complimentary wide receiver. After netting over 30 points this week, I think it's pretty safe that we can presume Thielen will finish as a top 12 wide receiver this week. That would mean Thielen is tied for third among all wide receivers in most top 12 weeks behind only Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. He's seen double-digit targets in three straight games and ranks 11th in air yards heading into this week. I think wide receiver one status has been pretty fickle, though. Um, We've seen this year that a lot of teams are spreading the love around and distributing targets more evenly across the offense instead of peppering number one wide receivers repeatedly in minus EV fashion. I'm hesitant to give him that wide receiver one label because of that. I wouldn't be shocked, though, if the team opts to see what they have in Teddy Bridgewater. And I still need to see it from him before, believing he can support an offense of Diggs, Thielen, Rudolph, and McKinnon. I'm not sure if Teddy can do that right off the bat. But I wouldn't be shocked to see if the Vikings coaching staff is, okay, we've seen what we have in Case Keenum. He's performed mediocre at best prior to today's offensive explosion against Washington. Um, that being said, I think Thielen is still a pretty good wide receiver too. I think he's about as top shelf wide receiver too, and about as reliable as you can get as far as dynasty terms. He's a strong hold for me. If I have him, and he's someone that I'd be targeting. If I'm a contender, this offense is ascending and I'd really like to invest in either Diggs or Thielen wherever possible. The team just signed Thielen to a three year, 17 million extension this off season. So we have some stability down the road with a contract that isn't really overpaying him or likely to make him a cut casualty. I don't, in in terms of like trying to trade for him though I don't think a late first is enough to get him like if I own Thielen I don't think I would sell him for that but if I were trying to buy him I think I'd look to move a player that's on a hot streak in conjunction with a draft pick maybe something like Chris Thompson in a mid-second Robert Woods in a late first or something like that I don't know maybe Greg Olson in an early second overall I'm just very high on Thielen and Dynasty and I think he's a great buy if you're looking for any wide receiver help this year
1: yeah the thing that really stinks uh for me just not that anyone cares about my fantasy teams, but like I just have so much investment in digs that it's really difficult for me to also invest in Thielen, like from a dynasty perspective. Uh, but I definitely agree that he is someone that you want to buy. That The guy is just really good. At, I saw like someone today on Twitter saying, like, you know, like Adam Thielen wanted to play college basketball. Like he almost didn't even play football. And he is just like tearing it up in the NFL, which is really impressive. Can we just, can we just like agree that? The Vikings should never give the ball to Latavius Murray, and the offense should just be like a spread, like passing offense. Because like they just have so many weapons. I feel like every time they give the ball to, to Murray, they're just wasting an opportunity to get a touch to Diggs or Thielen or McKinnon, like someone who's really explosive. Like I'd like to see them do more with this offense. I feel like Keenum has been far exceeding expectations. Uh, you know, Bradford looked good, obviously in Week One, but I mean Keenum has kind of taking the offense to the next level and I'm really excited to maybe see Teddy Bridgewater at some point but it's impossible to take Keenum off the field right now like he's just playing like he is back in college and he's just slinging the ball like all over the place it's really impressive and I kind of got off track but I feel like Thielen is like Tyler said I'd say really really solid wide receiver two um, weekly wide receiver one upside and in dynasty definitely a buy
3: yeah, I agree with pretty much everything that's been said. Um, I would actually be surprised if the Vikings went to Bridgewater at this point. I think, you know, they're in the, you know, near the top of the NFC. It'd be uh, As long as Keenum is playing well, I think you've just got to stick with him. Um, you know, he's definitely got the weapons, as we know. Um, in terms of... Thielen's dynasty value I mean I don't own him in a lot of places probably I think for the same reason that Anthony said because I own so much digs everywhere Uh, but if I did or where I do own him I don't know if I would give him him up for any first by itself even when I expect it to be early Um, so yeah I think he's definitely a hole to buy if you can get him Um, I think probably on a week to week basis it's going to be kind of difficult to figure out you know where the targets are going to go between Diggs and Thielen, who's going to who's going to actually be the wide receiver one on a weekly basis. But, uh, you, you know, you can probably start both of them in the same week in the same lineup, so maybe not that big of a problem.
1: All right, let's get into the no shit, shit, no segment. We're going to start with Latavius Murray. He carried the ball 17 times for 68 yards and a touchdown in that win over the Redskins.
4: I'm going to go with no shit. Unfortunately, double-digit carries are a thing for Latavius Murray, as the Vikings refuse to let our favorite spark score hero, Jarek McKinnon, ever see significant volume. Over the last four games, McKinnon is averaging 19.8 touches per game. Murray is averaging 17 touches per game. Like it or not, Murray is here to stay, and he's just going to sap any real value like you alluded to earlier, Anthony. It's just a true committee here.
3: Austin Safarian Jenkins caught six of nine targets for 67 yards in the Jets' Week 10 loss to the
4: Bucks. No shit. Since his return, he's been an integral part of this offense. ASJ has been a steady mid-range tight end one, and should continue to be so moving forward for the rest of the season.
1: Case Keenan completed
4: 21 of 29 passes for 304 yards and four touchdowns to go along with two interceptions. I'm going to go shit no here. Heading into the week, Keenum had thrown seven touchdowns over his last seven games. His inconsistency can lead to blow up games like this, given the weapons around him, but more often than not, I think we're going to see more of the mid-range QB2 outings from him. Robbie Anderson
3: caught four of seven targets for 85 yards and a touchdown in the Jets' Week 10 loss to the Bucks.
4: No shit. Robbie Anderson has been crushing it as of late. He's now scored a touchdown in four straight games and ranks top 10 in air yards. He was the wide receiver 20 entering this week and should continue to put up strong outings. And whenever he has a great matchup like he had here today against Tampa Bay's week secondary, you just need to exploit him in DFS and light him up.
1: DeMarco Murray rushed 14 times for 42 yards and two touchdowns in the Titans' Week 10 win over the Bengals. He also caught four passes for 30 yards and an additional touchdown.
4: I'm probably going to give another surprising no-shit here. Prior to this week, DeMarco Murray has had just two top 12 weeks on the season. However, a healthy Marcus Mariota elevates this entire offense, and I'm really eager to see how they perform down this backstretch of the season. Murray won't have three touchdown outings moving forward, but I think we can expect this type of volume and this goal line work for the rest of the season.
3: Alvin Kamara rushed 12 times for 106 yards and a touchdown while catching all five of his targets for 32 yards in the Saints' Week 10 win over the Bills.
4: No shit. Kamara is a low-end RB1 every single week in PPR leagues. He's a stud and one of my biggest rookie misses that I wish I could go back and get more of.
1: Golden Tate caught six of seven targets for 97 yards and a touchdown
4: in Week 10 against the Browns. No shit. Golden Tate just balls out anytime he's given the opportunity. His last two weeks, he's played 60% and 50% of the snaps, and during that time we saw Marvin Jones explode. This week Tate played on a nice 69% of the snaps, and we saw what he can do. He's a yak monster that can take any short pass to the house.
3: Leonard Fournette rushed 17 times for 33 yards in the Jaguars' 2017 Week 10 win over the Chargers.
4: Shit no, this was just a sloppy game all around, and I'm amazed Fournette finished so poorly. The Chargers entered this week 26th in run DVOA while allowing the 5th most runs of 5 or more yards. I really think this was like a bottom 5% or 10% outcome for Fournette. I just have to give a tip of the hat to the Chargers for playing so well.
1: Devontae Adams caught five of eight targets for 90 yards and a touchdown in the Packers' Week 10 win over the Bears.
4: No shit. Ever since the Aaron Rodgers injury, teams have been defending the Packers as if Devontae Adams is their number one wide receiver. Prior to Rodgers' injury, it had been Jordy. 40% of Jordy's fantasy points, however, have come via touchdowns. Those touchdown opportunities aren't really there anymore, and thus Adams has been thrust into the team's top wideout slot. Adams has had 5, 10, and 8 targets in his last 3 games with Hundley, and I'd expect a 10-target ceiling for him moving forward. I think this kind of stat line is about as good as we can expect for Adams for the rest of the year.
3: Isaiah Crowell rushed 16 times for 90 yards and a touchdown in Week 10 against Detroit.
4: Shit no, this was just Crowell's second touchdown of the year, and the Browns ranked bottom 6 in red zone trips per game. That lack of opportunity should make these types of outings few and far between, especially given the timeshare he currently has with Duke Johnson. Antonio Brown
1: crushed my crushed my soul and caught three of seven targets for 47 yards in the Steelers' Week Ten
4: win over the Colts. Oh, you aren't alone there, Anthony. <laughs> we go shit. No, this was only the second time Brown has had less than double-digit targets in a game. Last year in this matchup, he scored three touchdowns. I went 50 percent on Brown and DFS this week, and it killed me. But i do it all over again, given the matchup against this depleted secondary. Better days are ahead.
3: Mark Ingram rushed 21 times for 131 yards and three touchdowns in the Saints' Week Ten win over the Bills.
4: No shit. This Saints offense has transformed from a pass-happy offense that often trailed in games to one built around the run that plays great defense. It seemed like a complete reversal, and this type of volume for the rushing game isn't anything new for Ingram. I think he should remain a top-shelf RB1 for the rest of the season.
1: Juju Smith-Schuster caught five of seven targets for 97 yards and a touchdown in the Steelers' Week 10 win over the Colts.
4: No shit. This kid has evolved into wide receiver prodigy at just 20 years old, with teams paying attention to Antonio Brown on the outside these type of addings for Juju should be common for him moving forward.
3: Dante Moncrief scored a 60-yard touchdown in the Colts' Week 10 loss to Steelers.
4: Shit no, this was Moncrief's first touchdown since Week 4, and only the second time he's topped 60 yards in a game. I'm not buying it. AJ Green caught 5 of 7
1: targets for 115 yards and a touchdown Sunday in the Bengals' Week 10 loss to the Titans.
4: No shit. A.J. Green led all wide receivers in fantasy points per game and yards per out run. It's one of PFF's most predictive measurements last year prior to his injury. I'm happy to see him pick up here where he left off. Bigger games aren't out of the question here with Eifert out of the picture, and Green as the team's primary red zone target.
3: Vernon Davis caught 7 of 11 targets for 76 yards in Sunday's Week 10 loss to the Vikings.
4: No shit. We know that whenever Jordan Reed is inactive, Vernon Davis goes off. In the seven games Davis has played without Reed while he's been a Redskin, he's averaged 11.9 PPR points.
1: Garrett Selleck caught four of six targets for 67 yards and a touchdown in the 49ers' Week 10 win over the Giants.
4: Ugh, no shit. (laughs) You go with the flow chart. (laughs) Are the tight ends playing the Giants? If yes, play them.
3: Julio Jones caught six of eight passes for 57 yards in Week 10 against Dallas.
4: I'm going to go no shit, um... Julio is the premier wide receiver here. I think he's always bound for this type of volume. Um, I think this was out of the lower range of what we can can expect. And I don't know, hopefully Steve Sarkeesian gets him more involved moving forward. Sterling Shepard caught 11 of 13 targets for
1: 142 yards in the Giants' week 10 loss to the Niners.
4: No shit. Ever since the uh, injuries to the offense, Sterling Shepard has just evolved into a complete dominant wide receiver here. I think he's had over 35% of the team's targets this week. He's locked in for a top wide receiver outing anytime he's given a great a matchup. Robert Woods
3: hauled an 8 of 10 targets for 171 yards and two touchdowns in the Rams' Week 10 win over
4: the Texans. No shit. I don't know if we can expect this type of ceiling performance from Robert Woods, but he's leading the team in every receiving category that matters. The guy's a stud. Um, I think he's a great waiver wire find for anyone that was lucky to get him. DeAndre Hopkins hauled in 7 of 13 targets for
1: 111 yards in the Texans at Week 10 loss to the Rams.
4: No shit. A lot of us were concerned with Tom Savage back at the helm, but Hopkins has proved that he's quarterback agnostic. Um, that Prior to um, the 2016 season, Hopkins was playing with a carousel of different quarterbacks and was able to thrive. I'm not surprised at all that he was able to pick up 111 yards here and do well in back-to-back weeks with Savage at the helm.
1: Fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. You do a draft that lasts for just one week, and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part, play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. No salary caps. Playing a real live snake draft just like you would play with your friends in a season-long league. Come and join me on Draft today. Download the app at any time. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes, or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com, whichever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use my promo code RVRADIO. That's right, play a real money game for free just for using the promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit on Draft. Search Draft in the App Store or go to playdraft.com and come play free with promo code RV Radio. All right, now let's wrap up the show with a couple more regular news items. Number three for the week, Melvin Gordon carried the ball 16 times for 27 yards in the Chargers' Week 10 loss to the Jaguars. Meanwhile, Austin Eckler carried the ball 10 times for 42 yards and caught all five of his targets for 77 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Tyler, it appears that a split may be looming here in L.A. Are you buying into Eckler at all? And is Gordon's inefficiency finally catching up with him?
4: Uh, Not entirely. So Gordon is real no stranger here to terrible yard per carry outings. But usually he's able to salvage those outings with strong receiving games. This time it was Eckler that was in there for the big receiving games. He crushed it on two big receiving touchdowns of 28 and 22 yards. While Gordon kind of faltered poorly. I think he had five catches for 15 yards there to zero touchdowns, but it's not like Gordon is incapable of putting up similar receiving numbers. He put up a receiving stat line of six receptions for 58 yards and two touchdowns in week five against the giants. And he also put up a nine for 67 and one against the Raiders outside of their meltdown against the jets. The Jaguars really haven't allowed productive outings to opposing running backs. Uh, I think the addition of Marcel Darius is already paying big dividends. Um, this front seven of Jacksonville is just really strong. Uh, the Chargers offensive line, however, they rank towards the middle of the pack in yards blocked before contact. I just think they were outmatched in this one, but I do think that it, that offensive line can prevent can provide bigger days for Gordon moving forward. Um, as far as any kind of like split, this was the first time that Eckler had more than 18 snaps in a game. Gordon has held a 74.5% market share of the backfields touches and played on 72.2%. Of the teams' offensive snaps. So what we're really seeing here is just the ceiling game from Eckler that we've never seen before, where he's played on a season high of snaps, um, touches, and receiving work. I'm not really expecting that moving forward, given that Gordon has just held his own uh, as far as dominating the targets and snaps and just the overall workload. I'm not super into it. Yeah,
3: I'm definitely buying into Eckler. I think um, he's uh well small school prospect of course but he has a pretty impressive um profile so uh i definitely want to see more from him um you know gordon is someone who i think a lot of a lot of fantasy people just think he kind of um, is valuable because of all the volume he gets which might be true i mean he hasn't shown to be a, a really efficient runner uh pretty much ever in his career in the nfl um But I don't think this is still his backfield, I would say. So as much as I might like to see Eckler get some more work, I don't think Gordon's going away. Um, I don't think this is going to be a split, like you said. Uh, So yeah, I agree with you.
4: Yeah, I think what my biggest takeaway here is that Eckler proved in this game that he's just a very viable handcuff, and he could be a very valuable one if anything were to happen to Gordon. And I think he's well worth stashing now at this point in the season. Free Austin Eckler.
1: That's that's the campaign (laughs) now. I mean, I... I'm just pumped for this kid because like in the summer, you you know, hashtag preseason doing the DFS stuff. Like I kind of just like ran into learning about his background and where he's from, like how he came to to get in the NFL, like just a really, really good story. Um, Obviously really easy to root for. And he's just played really well every time that he's gotten on the field. I kind of feel like this is Danny Woodhead 2.0, you know, in, in kind of a similar situation with Gordon splitting their reps. I mean, it, it's really difficult, obviously, to ever say that a guy like Eckler is going to unseat a first-round pick, but, I mean, he's, play, he's playing outstanding, and Gordon is just not playing very well. Uh, I think that this at least does impact Gordon some, though, because, you know, previously we were really in a Gordon because he had, like, the three-down-plus-goal line – upside and you know he could get you 25 carries and like eight catches in a game and I'm not really sure that he's going to do that anymore he doesn't have more than 18 carries in his last three outings Uh, and that includes a 21 nothing win against Denver so it's not like the game script is the reason for that Uh, he only has seven catches in his last three games so I feel like even if we don't think that Eckler has maintainable standalone value right now he is playing well enough to keep Gordon from having uh, you know the ultimate workhorse kind of role that I think he had for that stretch last year and where he did have for a few games this year that made him really valuable Uh, so this kind of takes Gordon out of that like uh, he might still be an RB1 just because I don't think running back is that great after like a few guys but he's definitely not nearly as attractive as I think he was like six months ago
4: yeah I think I tend to agree there Uh, we've been seeing it him priced that way on dfs sites as such and if if he doesn't get his volume or reach the end zone it it's a very narrow outcome for him as far as how what kind of like what kind of ceiling games we could expect from him um it's just tough now with eckler in the picture i'm not sure how much of a how much of a workload he'll get moving forward but it's definitely something to monitor
3: all right finishing up with the final news item ezekiel elliott failed in his attempt to receive an injunction on his six-game suspension, which he started serving this weekend. Alfred Morris led the way for the Cowboys with 11 carries to Rod Smith's six and Darren McFadden's one. And in the passing game, Rod Smith saw six targets. No other running back had a target. Uh, So, Tyler, which Dallas running back do you expect to lead in fantasy points while Elliott is gone?
4: This is anybody's guess right now. Morris is seeing the majority of touches... That shouldn't come as any surprise, considering what we've heard from the, over the past month from whenever Zeke was set to serve his his suspension. We've heard that from the coaching staff time and time again. Rod Smith was a preseason DFS darling, but Morris is a major roadblock for him to see any significant snaps. McFadden was not active for much of the season as he played a somewhat redundant role of Zeke in this offense. The schedule over the next few weeks, playing Philly, the Chargers, the Redskins, it's not particularly inviting to opposing running backs. The Eagles have allowed the fewest rushing yards in the league. The Chargers rank top five with just three rushing touchdowns allowed to opposing backs. Washington's right around league average. So that's a manageable game, but it's not very inviting for these guys. Um, I'm listing these three games because by December 1st, there could be a chance for Zeke to appeal his current suspension again. Um, This on again, off again thing is getting quite tiresome, but it's been tough for us to keep, keep track of, but by December 1st, he's allowed to appeal it again. And I wouldn't really be that surprised if by then Zeke has already served a four game suspension that the league just kind of presses their foot off the gas, so to speak. And they're like, okay, we, 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 doled out some punishment. We're fine with taking four of the six games we wanted. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if by then he comes back to play the last couple games, but if I had to pick a guy though, for the current interim, I'm going to go with Morris just because I believe he has the highest opportunity to score touchdowns. And I think he has the clearest path to seeing the most snaps in this game.
1: I, uh, I agree. Um, and I think that Morris, the the primary reason that you really want Morris is just that Dallas isn't going to play a lot of games. They did today where they were trailing, you know, no Tyron Smith. Uh, They had a really difficult time. I thought protecting Dak Prescott, uh, and now we're just playing from behind like that. That just isn't going to happen very often. I think if you were to look at the schedule that you just mentioned, like they're probably going to be leading in a bunch of those games. And that means Morris is going to get to run. So I I feel like Morris is kind of the easy call. Like I wish that McFadden was putting a little more pressure on this. I wish that Rod Smith is putting a little more pressure on this, but I feel like these roles seem very clearly established where Morris is the early down grinder. Smith is in on passing downs and McFadden is in if anyone blows a tire. Like I kind of just feel like that's how it's going to be.
3: Uh, I think I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say the guy I actually want is probably Rod Smith at this point. I mean if he's going to be the one getting the passing down work uh that gives him a nice kind of floor that Morris doesn't have, and that apparently McFadden doesn't have um you know kind of the whole time this was going on, I was holding out hope that the cowboys were just uh were you know kind of trying to deceive us, and they were actually gonna put McFadden in after keeping him fresh for the entire, you know, nine or ten weeks or whatever, but, uh, doesn't seem to be the case so far, so, uh, I'm not real excited about any of these guys, to be honest. Uh, I don't think, you know, they're splitting time, so nobody's gonna get the kind of work Elliott had, um, so yeah, for me, it, I'd probably lead toward, lean toward Rod Smith just because of the targets, um, but it's, uh, yeah, not that exciting in any case.
4: Yeah, and we're at the point now where these guys are likely owned in every single league by now. I wouldn't really be trying to acquire, like, trading for any of them at this point. That's a good point.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing, too, right, is opportunity cost, and like, what are you really going to give? And, like, the thing about, like, trading, too, is that I feel like a lot of times, like we say, like, oh, like, go get this guy. But it has to be, like, you're going to have to give something. So, like, especially in redraft, like, what are you going to reasonably give for our Dallas running back that like isn't going to like adversely affect your opportunity to make the playoffs? You know, and I think it's really hard to price that properly.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I think this probably, you know, the way we saw the touches split out this time, we don't know if this is even going to be how it carries forward uh, in the future. You know, Fadden might end up getting more work. Who knows? Too hard to tell what's going on here.
1: Absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the fantasy football report. Special thanks to our guest, Tyler Bucher. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at Tyler Buecher. And get that 30% discount for subscribing to Rotoviz through the Rotoviz radio channel, rotoviz.com slash podcast. It also helps if you rate and review the show. You can find us along with the rest of the Rotoviz shows under the Rotoviz radio feed. We also have our individual feed for just this show. Search for Fantasy Football Report on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Subscribe and leave us a rating or review. For Blair Andrews, I'm Anthony Miko. Thanks for listening. Listening to the Rotoviz Report powered by Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. And be sure to contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz
3: at a thirty percent discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, Rotoviz.com slash
2: Ico presents, yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, Roomy! Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.
5: You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just
4: so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys, and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbukens. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble Book Hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble.
0: Terbukens are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.